Well, John, I really appreciate you uh, coming on board here. So welcome to the line. Thank I'm you. here with uh, John Sensnick, the vice president of Speedwell Construction and Design Build, correct? Mm, correct. Yeah. Yep. So well, welcome to the line. Thank you. Yeah. Well, John, uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about uh, just your, your history and how you, I'm really curious, and I think those that might be listening are, are wondering, you know, how do I uh, become a vice president? Like, that's kind of a really big deal title. Right. I mean. Yeah. yeah. So when I was 10 years old, I set out a goal for myself to become a vice president of Speedwell Construction, <laughs> and it all worked out. Uh, say that facetiously because um, I didn't know I'd be here. Yeah. Um, I grew up in a um, big family. I was the youngest of seven. Um, when I was 17, we had adopted a 10-year-old. And uh, so we, we had eight kids uh, in the family. And so that was, uh, that was how I grew up. We grew up with everything we needed, um, not, not much more. Okay. And uh, I grew up in what we would call a family farm. Uh, my dad didn't have a farm, but he had the family business on uh, where we lived. What was, was that business? Sensenig's Auto Body. So okay. I grew up in an auto body shop, working on cars since, you know, six, seven, eight years old, uh, just kind of putzing around in the shop with my dad. And, you know, like every young man with their dad, getting tools for them. Yeah. And going through that whole uh that hand whole, me this. Hand, hand me that. Yeah, get me the half inch. No, the half inch, not the nine sixteenths. Did you, know? you ever hold? Uh, I remember helping my dad work on our cars because we didn't have enough money to pay a mechanic right. to do it. And uh, you ever hold the light for him? That was the most hated Holding thing. Holding the light was an art and science that uh, I can't explain. So I, I thought it was like Chinese water torture. Yeah, it, it really was. Like, was. Hold yeah. it, hold it here. Basically, no, over there. Basically, you were never right, yeah. um, and you were always wrong, um, but you were always needed. Yes, you yes. were always needed. I, we were very important. But you needed to know that, yeah. that it was yeah, wrong. It yeah. was wrong. <laughs> uh, so, so an absolute, um, almost a hallmark type growing up in a, in a family that uh, loved each other, uh, Christian family, Mennonite background, so that culture was behind us. So uh, just a little bit, um, if I'm listening to this, you know, and I'm in California, Georgia, yeah. Alabama, yeah. Mennonite culture, so like Amish? So close, okay. not quite. Um, someone just asked me this last night at our company Christmas party. Uh, what, what is a Mennonite? Uh, do we have three hours? Uh -huh. yeah. Okay. Well, I can sum so, it up in three seconds okay, if you'd do like. It, no, do it. no, it would be inappropriate. <laughs> yeah. Get me in trouble. <laughs> Uh, so, you know, uh, the Mennonite culture in Lancaster County obviously runs very deep, and it is, there are some ties to the Amish. Um, but without going through the entire detail of that, it is, yeah. a, it is, a, is a group of Christian believers, uh, but with lots of variety, um, from very conservative to very liberal. So okay. um, we grew up in <clears throat> Lancaster County, Mennonite um, culture, and uh, lots of good things about that. We worked hard um, and worked with what we had. Working with what we had was obviously the, the most important thing. Uh, we didn't have all the latest tools. We worked with what we had. We made up our own tools. Uh, we welded things together to be our own tools, um, those, those kind of things. Our, our dad was uh, just the guy that could just about do everything. Yeah. Um, now, we're, we're, we're getting a little nostalgic about that as we get older because, yeah. you know, you know as, yeah. as you watch your parents age and you start to get nostalgic. So, uh, But I do have to tell one story about that if I can. So this, this, this defines a lot about our growing up. We were working on a pickup truck in the shop. Now, mind you, we were in the paint room, so that's just a minor detail of torches and paint rooms. 
um, not something you want to combine, but we were using the torch in a, in a paint room. We were trying to take a bumper off a truck, and we were so sure that it was just absolutely not possible to take this bumper off anymore. So we went down to the house and said... And this is you and your brothers and sisters. This is me sisters. and my brother. Yeah, yeah, me and my brother Andy. We, we, he went down to the shop and said, Dad, this bumper's not coming off. <laughs> you know, basically, we tried everything. There, there, there's no getting this bumper off. So, yeah. so this, this is not a solution we're fixing here. Right. You know, we finally got to a point where we did everything possible and there's nothing he's going to do either to get it off. Right. Well, you can imagine that as a dad. Yeah. You know, yeah. okay, let's see, young man. So he went up, opened up the torch and just burned the whole thing off and just chunks of metal just falling off and sparks flying. And he's not wearing all the appropriate PPE, but it was fine. And we just stood there in awe of like, okay, when you hit a wall, you just keep going. Yeah. You don't stop. Yeah. Um, so I, I grew up in that kind of family and environment. And so I, I uh, through high school, didn't have a plan, didn't know what I was going to do. Um, long story short, I ended up in college, Lebanon Valley College. I went through, got a business and Spanish double major in college. Um, enjoyed it for the most part. It was it was reasonably fun. I got to study abroad. I got to play soccer. It was it was a good experience. Is abroad like outside of Lancaster County? Abroad, or? abroad is over the York, uh, York Bridge to get into York. Yeah, over the <laughs> Susquehanna. Uh, so I studied in York. Uh, no, I studied in Spain. Uh, really? I, I did not know that. You didn't That's, know that? I did not know that. Okay, all right. Uh, I also, um, after college, I taught English in, in Guatemala <clears throat> for a little bit. So I spent some time overseas after college. Uh, during college and after college, I didn't have a plan after college. I didn't know what I was going to do. I graduated, no plan. I ended up going back to my dad's shop, which he had passed on and wasn't doing. He had passed on the business. He, he's still alive, uh, but he had passed on the business. And I, I just went back to the shop and just opened up the doors and started doing work again for customers because I just had no plan. How old were you at this time? I was 21. 21, okay. 21 years old. College degree, um, me and my brother went through Lebanon Valley College on a lot of scholarship, and so we were thankful for that. We didn't come out with much debt. Today, yeah. today that's very, very difficult to do. Yeah, um, it is very different. Yes, very different. So we, we were able to go through all that and, um, and be out with very, very little to no debt. I opened up the doors to my dad's shop, worked there for about six months, still no plan. And I said to myself, okay, I got to go talk to a mentor. So here, here's another key point. So it talked about the family right. environment that I grew up in and the we don't quit kind of environment um, to having a mentor in your life. Yeah. At, at 21, I still needed somebody outside of my family who yeah. I could trust to give me some advice yeah. that I would actually listen to. It's a little harder to take some of that advice from family sometimes. <coughs> that mentor for me was a, a, a high school teacher. Okay. And uh, he... Um, he was just influential in my life. He was a, he was a teacher. He was our soccer coach um, and meant a lot to my life growing up. I went back to him over lunch, his lunch break one day while he was teaching. And I said, Don, I need help. I don't have a plan and I don't know what I'm doing. Yeah. And um, he didn't really have much of an answer, except he was kind enough to listen. And um, so he didn't try to answer the question right away. He just said, OK, well, you know, I get 20 minutes for lunch and it's time to wrap up. I got to go back to my class. Why don't you go down to the, uh, the office and fill out an application for a substitute teacher? This is a private Christian school. So with a 
with a college education, you could be a substitute teacher. And we're talking just just to be clear, like 20, 25 years ago, something like that. This is uh, this is two. This is 1998. Okay. Yep, 1998. And uh, so I'm I'm 22 by this time, and so he, uh, he he gives me that advice, and so I did. I just went down, filled out the application, figured what what's there to lose. Got a call the next day, and they said, "Teacher's sick." Can you come in? I said, sure. Um, so I leave my auto body work to the side, which, you know, was fine. I could adjust my schedule. I went in. That turned into six years of full-time teaching. Wow. And those were, those were great years. Those were years where I learned how to, learned how to be a teacher. Um, that's hard work. It, it's, yeah. a, it's a grind what teachers go through. It is a grind. People who do that for a career, I mean, I, I, I salute them. That's, it's that's not amazing. for the money, that's for sure. No, exactly. Yeah. Um, I, I built a lot of good relationships with other teachers. Um, I, I enjoyed being a, a coach, so I was a soccer coach there uh, and a teacher of a variety of classes. And I, so I really enjoyed those times. Most memorable is every year we would take the students on what we called a missions trip. So it was a place where a senior class could experience another culture and also experience what other worldviews are like in another culture. Yeah. Um, and so we did that every year. So that, that was all me before I got into construction. So as I'm in my fifth year of teaching, um, I met my wife, Lori. So in a, in a moment of, uh, of probably, um, weakness for her, she said yes to me when I asked her to marry me, marry me. And, uh, thank the Lord I married her because after I got married, I really started to get serious about, okay, what is the direction of my career? Mm. These were good experiences. Um, they were things you can do when you're young, right? Um, but now I need to provide for a family. What do I do? So I'm curious, you know, what was your, you get married and you're saying now you need to provide for a family. What was your like stress level at that point? Was that driving you at all? Were you experiencing some stress and anxiety? Cause I think that's something that we don't talk about a lot. Um, and, and I'm, I'm just curious, and it's okay if not, yeah. but I'm, I'm just curious for those that are listening, if they're where you were at that yeah. stage, how did you deal with that? Well, 100% was a stress. Yeah. Um, I wouldn't express it at the time yeah. as a stress because we're men and we try to hide those things. But in all reality, um, I, I, I would have to go back and research this. I couldn't give you this word for word right now, but I believe that it is, there has been significant research that men stress the most about how to provide for their family. It's a yeah. big, it's a big deal. Um, and so, yes, that was a big deal for me. Okay. Um, my wife also looked at my paycheck and <laughs> said, uh, <laughs> so, uh, so how are we doing that? <laughs> so, uh, you know, it was motivating. Yeah. I mean, honestly, it really was. Um, so, uh, it was my wife who said, John, why don't you reach out to five businessmen that you know, and just ask for their advice. Interesting. And I didn't have any ulterior motive to try to work for them. It was just a m- moment of reaching out to a, a people who have experience in that particular thing. So just a question, uh, you know, for those that are listening here, uh, you say that you reached out to five businessmen. You're 22, 23? Um, by this time, so fast forward through my teaching years, now I'm 25, 26. 25, 26. How is it that you come to know and have relationships with five businessmen to reach out to? Oh, that's that's an awesome question. So one is um, family relationships. Um, okay. So so people that my family knew. Um, important one was church relationships. 
mm-hmm. um, guys that I knew from church. So those were the five. Um, there was a few, uh, two, two that I would think were family-generated connections, and three were through our church. So if I'm listening to this and I'm a young man or young woman, and let's just say that I don't have family relationships, I don't have church relationships, how is it, and, and I have an answer in my head, mm-hmm. <laughs> but how is it that uh, I build those relationships, that, that I have that? Sure. Start yeah. a family, go to church. <laughs> Sorry. Okay. Didn't mean to oversimplify that. Yeah. That's a lot harder than that. Um, so if you don't have those things, start at, just start somewhere. You don't need five. Right. I didn't need five. Right. That was just throwing a net out and trying to catch something. Um, you just need one person. So you, 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 you do have to uh, have some sort of connection with people and networking with people. And uh, there's a variety of ways to do that. So if we just kind of go back in your story a little bit, I find this really interesting. You, you talked about you, you were like 21 or something like that, and you realized that you needed a mentor. And now I'm getting to the answer that right. I want you to say. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, you realized that you needed a mentor outside of your home. Don't you think that that builds those? Like if you don't have... You know, I work with guys that they don't even know who their dad is, you yeah. know, and or they yeah. don't even know who their dad and their mom is or, yeah. you know, and, and they don't believe the way that you do. And so church is not an option, but yet they want to they want to build a life. They want to have a good mm-hmm. job. They want to have opportunity and they want those relationships. They want to be able to have people to call. Don't you think that it starts with finding a mentor like you did when you were like 21, when you're like, you know what, I, I need a relationship outside of, of these people so that I, I have someone that can speak into my life. Doesn't it come down to seeking out people that are willing to speak into your life? Yeah, it does take initiative. Yeah. These people will not come to you. You have to ask. So you, you have to ask. You have to You ask. have to ask. Yeah. Was that what I was supposed to say? I, I didn't get the notes. <laughs> <laughs> um, I guess my, my question, uh, and, and we'll come back to sure. continue with your story, but I mean, I think this is a big deal, and it, it I think it's good to spend a minute on it. And I think my question comes back to, um, that's pretty scary for some people to just ask. Yeah. And so it's like, I think that's something that we really need to like accentuate the importance of. If you don't have a mentoring relationship in your life, if you don't have someone that can speak into your life, you're operating solely on your own knowledge and your own abilities. And if you're like I was when I was 21, that knowledge and ability is not that great, yeah. to be quite honest. Yeah. And so what John is saying here, and, and, and I think that this is important to say, is the importance, and, and it actually doesn't matter if you're 21 or you're 31 or even 41, right. if you've never gotten those relationships, you need to just ask. Yeah. You need to get, just make a decision, and I would say write down, like your wife said to you, write down a list of five people, mm-hmm. and if you only ask three, fine, at least yeah. you ask three, right. and and pick people. It doesn't matter if you like go on Instagram or LinkedIn, and you're like, all right, I'm I'm going to send a message to this guy and and say, hey, because can you can you be my mentor or, mm-hmm. or whatever? I will guarantee you, anybody that has come to where you are in life, or even some of these businessmen, if they're honest about how they got there. If they can't be your mentor, they're going to want to help you find one. Mm-hmm. I mean, exactly. Yeah. So, can you imagine uh, a young man coming to to you and saying, "Josh, I 
I really need some help in finding some direction. Would you help me walk through this in a few conversations? You don't have to use the word mentor. Can we just, can we talk? So at the interest of ruining my, ruining yeah. my intimidating image that some of the guys have told me that yeah. I have, uh, it would melt my heart. Right. It would I melt mean, my heart. Well, you wouldn't sit there and say, I'm too important for this. I mean, maybe you are if, important. If you but, were asking, I would say that. Yeah. But then I would. Right, right, right. <laughs> <laughs> but seriously, what, yeah. what, what grown man would say, I don't want to do that for someone who's asking. Right. No, that's what we do for each other. It is so, what we do so for each don't, other. Don't be, it, intimidation is, is just part of the process. To be um, a little overwhelmed is normal, but still do it anyways. Yeah. Well, the only way to overcome intimidation or fear, for that matter, because that's what we're talking about here, yeah. we're, we're talking about saying no to fear, because right. fear is just never good. You know, it's good to be cautious, it's good to yeah. be careful, but fear is something that's holding you back from something that is meant to be yours. Yeah. And uh, I, I would just, you know, if you're, if you're listening and you're a young person and you're trying to figure out, well, how do I advance in my career? Mm -hmm. and, and I'm not saying, you know, John, you said you didn't like have a plan at 10 years old to become a vice president. But if you wanna be continually advancing, uh, fear needs to take a sideline step. Mm -hmm. And you need to evaluate things and be like, all right, this is what I'm going to do. This, 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 and this. Because yeah. if you're letting fear make your decisions for you, you're actually just going to continue to go backwards in life. You're never going to go to that next level. You're never going to get that next accomplishment. Yeah. So back to your, your origin story here. You were talking about your wife told yeah. you to go talk to these yeah. five people. So, so yeah, let's go yeah. into these five people. And then how did you get where you are to be yeah. well? The most important are are really two that I talked to. Okay. Um, and uh, the the others were, were helpful, um, but it, it came down to two guys. Um, one who was my former pastor. Okay. Who had res um, moved on from pastoral ministry and decided to start his own construction company, and he ultimately is the one that gave me a shot. He took a chance on me. Um, as we talked, we talked for months. I mean, this was, this was a long process. Yeah. Um, but during that time, he ended up starting his own thing. And as he started his own thing, it became more and more a realistic possibility that I could join him. And I was his first employee. Um, so it was just me and him. So um, one other thing that I would just want to kind of highlight here is, and you talked about this, and uh, when we look back in hindsight, when we were younger and we were getting those opportunities and those experiences, um, you probably weren't making the money that you make today. No. And we're not going to talk about salaries, but I, I do think that this is an important an important fact. In in the start of your career, the importance to recognize the value of what you might learn over what you might get paid. Right. You know, I listen to a lot of uh, Bill Witt has this podcast called Dirt Talk, and uh, I really like this guy named Aaron Witt. And... Uh, one of the things that he says on that podcast is, you know, you just got to send it. And, and he talks about when you're young, getting out there and just going and getting a job and trying it at this company or this company or this company. And when I heard him talk about that, it reminded me of when I was young. And the thing that you can't quantify, you know, and you, you have to be able to look at it in relation to money. But it's like when you're young, it really doesn't matter what you make. And those experiences, you, you they are priceless. Yeah, and you know what? I came from teaching in a private school. Yeah. You can imagine what my salary was in 19, in 2004. Yeah. When I was done teaching. 
in 2004, a private school teacher, Lancaster County. You can go look it up. Yeah. It, wasn't, it wasn't a lot. Okay. But what, you know what that did? Is it set my it set my bar at a really yeah. realistic level? Yeah. There was nothing that I couldn't get into and be making just a little bit more, or maybe maybe somewhat more. But I, everything was an improvement. Right. So it, one of the advantages of coming from a you know minimal means is that you just go attack everything. And so when that opportunity came up, and and that opportunity was Chris Labs, by the way. And Chris, Chris, if you're watching this, thank you because you gave me a chance. Um, but that opportunity was huge for me. He took a chance on someone who didn't have a whole lot of experience, um, but he knew me, yeah. and so he 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 sent it too. You know, yeah. he he was taking a risk. Um, uh, so that was residential, design, build, renovations, and additions. Okay. And that's how I got my start. I started by designing kitchens. Okay. Well, we're just going to take a moment to yep. stop here and, and do something. But then when we come back, sure. I, I think it'd be really cool to uh, talk about that transition from residential design sure. build, because yeah. I know where you are now. Yeah. You know, we've had some conversations yeah. that um, that'll be an interesting segue. Yeah. So, cool. John, one of the things that I'm trying to do is, you know, ask people, well, what is a tool or a piece of gear that you just you yeah. can't live without? Oh, yeah. Yeah, totally. totally. I brought it. You brought it. Okay, so I see you branded it too. Oh shoot! <laughs> no, that's no. fine. No, this this is my this is my book. Yeah, I I have this with me all the time. So so help me understand. Yes. It's your book. Is it a book yeah. you wrote, or is it a book it's, that you write it's, in? It's or? a book that is not on Amazon. I bought this on Amazon, but it's not for anyone else to read. Understood. So this is my daily work through. How do I get through each day, and how do I make the most important things the most important? Wow, that's good. And you can't do that unless you're just writing it down. Some people are super-duper sharp um, and maybe can keep all that stuff in their head. That's about 2% of you, so the rest of you need a tool like this. But you, you just you need—some some people do it digitally— I'm, do the I'm, super sharp people use one book, or do you have three other books that we don't know about? No, one book. Okay. Yeah, one right. book. One book. So okay. Yeah, you you, you got to have some way of capturing the notes from your meetings, the <clears throat> priorities that have come up that have now become more important than others, and being able to track your tasks. And I, I just I, I use that uh, religiously. Um, you can't. To me, keeping separate notebooks all around just is confusion. I agree. And um, so I know it sounds very elementary and trite, but it is probably the most important thing I've done through my years. As I got into commercial construction, I, I had so many things going on at the same time, and I, I had to get to one, and that's when it started. Yeah. I think that <clears throat> it's probably one of your fundamentals, you know, that, that yeah. is just a part of your basics. And even though it's, it's simple... Um, it's one of the it's one of the things that I do as well. I, I yeah. journal, um, and I, I keep a notebook with me all the time. Yeah. Like I have one notebook that's like that that I triage and I, I process things. So that's yeah. that's really good. I, yeah. I think that might be one of the best uh, ones yet. Yeah. So yeah. Cool. That's it. Awesome. So we're gonna shift gears here, and we want to talk a little bit about um, teamwork and things like that in the in the construction space, yeah. but. Um, before we do that, just kind of going back to your story, I, I think that you <clears throat> you made a transition where you're working for a company doing uh, residential design, build, and construction. Mm -hmm. And I think it's really interesting because in your role now, 
it is very much not residential. Right. It is very much commercial, mm-hmm. industrial, um, and and you're working for a company managing some very large projects. Right. Um, I mean, Speedwell Construction is who John is working for, and they are a mover and a shaker in our geographic area. And so I think that's a pretty big deal of how you started small and then you are provided these opportunities because you're sending it. Mm -hmm. And because I think one of the biggest things that, you know, I grew up in the same geographic area that you did, you know, Lancaster County, South Central Pennsylvania. Um, And so while I am, I'm not from a Mennonite background, um, a lot of my friends were Mennonite. I grew up working on Amish farms, Mennonite farms when I was a young man. And the biggest thing that I would say about the Mennonite culture, one of the biggest positives is, and you talked about this, but I really want to highlight it because I want to honor this because it's really important. Regardless of what you believe faith-wise, their desire to work hard and hard work, I mean, I, I think that really correlates with what you're talking about, that diligence in pressing on and pushing through and continuing to send it Monday through Friday, day after day, you know, I mean, that's what provided you these opportunities. Yes. Um, I do think that the Mennonite culture is important to understand one critical element and that it is their faith that drives them to do what they do. Interesting. It has to come from somewhere. It has to come from a belief system. Your beliefs inform your values, your values inform your behaviors. And, you know, their, their belief system is core to who they are. Yeah. Um, so that's uh, that's a very general statement. I realize I'm lumping them all <clears throat> into the same same group, but that that's really the fundamentals. It it does come back to their faith and what they believe. Yeah. Yeah. Um, who are they working for, is really the most important thing that matters. Um, cool. Yeah. Well, so the, the the topic that I really wanted to talk with you about today is just uh, teams yep. in our industry, you know, and how do they function. And so I'd like to just kind of. Because uh, I know that you are involved in managing teams. I recently, I've, I've been involved in, in some of those things with you as I've grown in my career. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, in, in case anybody hasn't realized this, John and I are good friends. Um, and now I said it on camera, so you can't take it back. Um, but we've, right. we've been through some good times. Yeah. We've been through some hard times. Yeah. And I've seen you, and you have a skill, I believe, in building teams and working with teams. And I think that's something that's pretty essential in the construction space because we're doing projects, we're doing things that have so many moving parts that the, the you, Speedwell can't build a building by themselves. Uh, you know, uh, a local electrical company just down the street here, Garden Spot Electric, they, they can't wire up a building if it isn't there. <laughs> right. You know, we we have to connect and work together. So, John, can you talk with us about just what does that look like and, and some of those processes and how you guys do that, if you can share that with us? Man, it, it, it feels pretty humbling to be in a setting like this where it's not just a conversation over lunch yeah. or, you know, when we're just talking. Um, when, you're, when you're telling others about the story of so many people who are involved in an organization, you sort of feel a little sheepish. Yeah. It's like you're taking credit. So it, it, I just have to preface that just so I feel well, just, better about what I so say. Just so that you know this is going out on the Internet, oh, and I'm okay. sure there will be plenty Wait, of people internet? trolling you. Seriously? The yeah. Internet? Okay. Yeah, and Curran has already said uh, that we will not edit anything. And I know this is true because there are multiple podcasts that you will see where I say stupid things, and he loves to publish that. So. Okay, and you can't, like 
put something across the screen and says, John said this, but what he really meant was this. Well, I've, I've tried okay. that, but okay. Kern <laughs> likes to put it, you know, down, Kern's down low. Thumbs down. Yeah. Okay. yeah right, that means fine. no, you okay, can't do gotcha. that. All right. In all seriousness, um, we don't have the corner on how to build teams. What we, <clears throat> what we do have is fundamental values that are important to us. And one of those values is humility. Now, mm. if I tell that to the world and uh, say, well, I had this experience and I don't think that was humble. Well, there's plenty of times where I haven't been well, humble. You said the value is humility. Are you saying it's humble or humility? I think that's an important, yeah. That the value is humility. Okay. So that we exude humility in what we do and how we act. Now, do we all do, do we do that all day? No. Yeah. But, but we do have some goalposts to strive for. Yeah. And, and the way that plays out as a GC, it, it, we have we have difficult relationships that we're trying to manage when we're managing teams and the best relationships that I have in the industry are ones that I've had difficult situations with really so if if you have a business and you have challenging yeah. situations which means you have a business yeah okay you have challenging <laughs> situations yeah take the challenge take the challenging situation and and don't just toss it don't just chuck it in the trash. So when you say don't just toss it, what are you talking about? And, and give me an example. Don't, okay, so you you um, you know you're you're let's you're don't use business names, but you can use trades. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You're 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 an electrician, and you hire a uh, a sub to supplement on your job site, and that sub comes in, and at the end of the day, the results aren't what you wanted. Yeah. So get out of here. I'm gonna find the next guy. Well, do hmm. we understand why that happened? Did we ever communicate to what we wanted? Did, were we clear in the tasks he was supposed to do? Um, or was he just wandering around <coughs> and, and not knowing what to do? I mean, that's a so, then, the, the, so I have that situation with the sub. Um, what do I do? What, what, what is the next step? So because my, my gut reaction would be, you know, I don't have time for this. I don't want to deal with this. And, and quite frankly, I, I don't. I don't enjoy this like hard conversations yeah. that might be involved. Like what, so what is it that I do to do what you just talked about? Um, I hate to overuse the term because it is the name of a book, Yeah. but have a crucial conversation. Um, what do you guys, what, what do you call it? Um, on the coin? Uh, an honest conversation. An honest conversation. Yeah. So have an honest conversation that requires you to tell the truth. It requires you not to sugarcoat something just to get out of a situation that's uncomfortable. So telling the truth would be, um, hey, I'm really unhappy with this. This didn't go the way that we thought, and this is why. And telling the truth when you know that the individual that you're telling it to might not receive it well and respond rather negatively. Correct. Yeah. And you just have to take that risk. Yeah. Because you don't know what comes out of that. But what What happens when you, uh, how do I want to say this? Uh, when you don't have the, uh, I'm trying to, uh, this is funny, I'm, I'm trying to make it clean, but I can't. What happens when you don't have the balls to have that conversation and you sugarcoat it and you're talking with the person? What, what happens then? So that's just really unfortunate because you've missed an opportunity. Hmm. So now you have tossed a human being, which we've, we've all done. We've yeah. all done this to people, but we say, get out of here. I don't want to have the conversation because it just seems so bad that it's not worth, you're not worth talking to. You're, mm. you're communicating to someone they're not worth talking to. Even though you're not saying it, so you still feel good about it because you're not saying that word. Right. But now, you're, you're doing the actions that communicate that. 
So it's really an ultimate level of self-centeredness yeah. to not have the, the uh, honest conversation with someone and then to be like, uh, and, you know, really, they just did a really crappy job, and so I don't have to deal with them anymore. Well, and guess who else we're telling this story to? Everybody. Mm. So we're willing to tell it to everyone, but we can't say it to the one that matters. How's that building anyone up? How's that truly valuing someone? It, it tells you who your, it tells you what your values are. It says my values are me and my mm. comfort and my situation rather than what's in the best interest of that individual. So when you say you tell it to everybody, I, I think one of the things that if we're managing a team or, or even actually not even if, if, if you manage a team or you're a part of a team, which means that you have a job, because if you have a job, you are a part of a team. Right. When you say you tell everybody, I believe what you're talking about is you don't have the honest conversation with the person. Right. You don't talk with them about it. Right. But you go around with your other people and you're like, wow, that person just really, yeah. you know. So and when, then you, then that, that feeling that you right. have and not dealing with is actually like a cancer then that affects the rest of your team. Well, you've created a narrative. You've yeah. created a story that, that fills the space. <clears throat> so now there's no room for another, maybe, you know, the true story. Maybe everything you're saying is true. In the odd chance that it is, <coughs> you know, good for you. Yeah. But you're, you're one of a million. In the odd chance. Okay. <laughs> But really, we, we, fill the, we fill the void with stories, and then we push people away, and then we send a message to all the people we're telling the story to that our focus is really us. Yeah. Um, I, I read a book, and I, I just want to share this because I think it's, it's really important to uh, tie it into uh, a scientific fact about this. And I'm, I believe the book was by Chris Valentin. It was called Spiritual Intelligence. Um, and he combined it with actual uh, psychological and scientific data that talked about the neural pathways that we build in our brains, and he talked about how we need to break down those pathways and change them because your, your brain is lazy, and it desires to, you know, you, something happens, and your brain thinks about it in this way, kind of like, you know, something happens in our life, and so we think that's the way it's always going to happen. Because your brain naturally is like, well, this is the way this is going to work mm -hmm. out. Um, and the importance of being able to train to, to break those neural pathways and start anew. Because when people then begin to fill that narrative and begin to talk about, whether you're a subcontractor talking about a general contractor, whether you're a general talking about a sub, or whether you're just a manager talking about an employee, you begin to put that narrative around that person and then your brain formulates that. Mm -hmm. And then sometimes we call them like self-fulfilling prophecies right. or whatever. Right. And, and really they're not, right. I mean, we're making them happen right. because we're not, right. we're not working on our neural pathways. Right. So I think that's one important aspect. The other important <clears throat> aspect is that we don't make heroes of people because no one's no one's Jesus except Jesus, you know? So, so when we come across a really high performer, we are grateful. We have gratitude. We're thankful for that blessing. We also know that they're going to disappoint us at some point. Mm -hmm. So don't be, don't, be so, don't be so disappointed when that disappointment comes. You know, it's, it's, it's a reality. They're going to disappoint you. Um, we're human beings. We, we aren't perfect. I think that's something that I think in construction, and I know I, I probably sound like a broken record, but in construction, I really am frustrated about how, um, you know, we'll talk about young people are like in the trades, 
Well, how did you learn that? Well, I just learned it. I just learned it. And when I think back to the things that I've really learned, um, I did it wrong first. Right. I made a mistake. Yeah. And in construction, it's like we're not allowed to talk about mistakes. You know, safety has become this thing that if something goes wrong and there is a safety violation, you're fired. Right. And the fact of the matter is that we cannot continue to do that. We can't continue to operate businesses and operate in construction where where people don't feel like they can make mistakes because they will never learn. And so then we'll have this entire workforce that doesn't know how to do things. Oh, wait, we already have that. We already are there because of what we have done, because of the narrative that we've created over the past 35 years. Like when I was working in the trade and coming up as an apprentice, the fact of the matter is guys were mentoring and teaching me on the job that I made mistakes and they were telling me about the mistakes that they had made and what they had learned from, Mm -hmm. which then also told me that it was okay if I made a mistake Mm -hmm. because they were being honest about the fact that they didn't make a mistake. And I think this comes back to your first value that you're talking about with your team. We need to have humility. Mm-hmm. Like, hey, I haven't done it right. You know, mo- most, if not all, of the things that I have learned, I have learned the hard way. Um, and, and I just think it's really important for us to acknowledge that we are doing some things in the industry right now that I think are detrimental, and we're doing them in a way that we don't realize except we're seeing the <clears throat> we're seeing the symptoms of it in the workforce development. Mm-hmm. Do you, do you, does that make sense? Maybe say it another way. So we're seeing the symptoms of the fact that it, we're saying to people it's not okay to make mistakes right. because we're not talking about our mistakes. Right. So we then right, right. they're coming into the industry and they're mm-hmm. like, well, you know, John's never made a mistake because that's the persona that right. you put out there. Right. When the fact of the matter is, if we're gonna have an honest conversation with people, then it is just that. It is like, you know what? And, and I'm sorry, and this is to whoever is, is listening or, or watching me right now. The, the fact of the matter is, if you think that you haven't made mistakes, don't apply for a job at my company. Because the fact is, that means that you are not self-aware and you don't even know, because there's not anybody in existence that hasn't made a mistake. Yeah. So if you can, if you can honor the person who's failed, yeah, there it is. And if you can, um, not overdo it with someone who's a superstar, yeah, at, in that moment, uh, you can build really strong teams because you're actually relying on each other. So <clears throat> we depend on the neck, the, the person next to us in yeah. our company, and without it, the whole thing just just crumbles. We. We don't have one guy that can just carry the ball and make everything happen. Uh, we have a group of 90 people who are pretty tightly knit together to be able to execute the way we execute. And that's, that's, that's a real blessing, but it all comes down to, it starts with humility. Um, respect goes alongside of that. It's one of our, that's our second value is, re, is respect. So that's actually listening. It's mm. very hard for me to listen intently to what someone else is saying. Uh, I'm sorry, what, what did uh, you what, say? What, 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 I didn't what's hear that? You. What? Oh. You see how okay. see how fun that is, uh, but seriously, I mean, I, I was going to say annoying. Shut up. <laughs> but seriously, we, what what kind of world do we think we're in when we are only thinking about what we're going to say next instead of actually listening to what yeah. the person is saying? So, so <clears throat> listen to understand. Everybody's heard that phrase. It's very important, though. Got to listen to understand. I, I I find myself that is one of the hardest things for me. Yeah. Because my, my 
I like to think my brain's moving fast. It's actually probably moving just slowly, but I'm, it's not helpful. So, yeah. so respect is listening. I mean, yeah. these aren't, this isn't like rocket science. I mean, yeah. it's pretty basic. Yeah. Um, and, and so if you can do that, you're, you're adding to a team. If you can have a sense of urgency with your work, that's the third one. You've got to have a sense of urgency with what you're doing. N nothing should be just, I'll get to it. Now, uh, so I'm going to, yeah. I'm going to actually throw something at you there because you're, you're talking about respect and, and this is one of the things for me. Um, I'm not going to say I'm going to disagree with you, but I'm going to push you to clarify. Sure. Um, because I disagree that everyone deserves my respect. And so, uh, and, and is what I mean by that is, um, just think of some people in political office. Do you respect them? No. Okay. No. And so I'm going to say what I'm, I'm thinking, okay. and you can decide yeah. to agree or disagree. Yeah, yeah. I believe that we should honor everyone, and we honor certain positions. I've worked for bosses that I didn't respect, but I needed to honor the fact that they were the boss. Ah, so here's yeah. the clarity. Yeah. Respect is the verb about what we are doing. So it is how I'm acting towards the other person. I'm not, it's not about you. Interesting. It's about listening. You really to wanted you to. First. You wanted to say that it wasn't it's about. It's not me. about Josh yeah. Malone. No, it's not. It's yeah. not about you. It's not about your values. It's not about what you believe. But I can listen. I don't have to believe what you're saying. Gotcha. I don't have to like what you're saying. But if you and I are on a project and we disagree about something, I can listen. I might completely be upset about what you're telling me, but you do have a perspective that yeah. I don't see and I can't understand. So it would be helpful if I would listen to understand why is the gear not coming? Right. Josh, we ordered this seven <clears throat> months ago. I, That's I don't like want to talk about time. this on a podcast. Oh, I'm sorry. I don't want to talk about this again. Yeah. Right, well, I, I'm, I'm teasing. Yeah, but I, seriously, I yeah. mean, when you explain to your to the person you're working for <clears throat> all that builds up to why something is the way it is, okay, well, my respectfulness in listening builds a team. Right. Now I yeah. can go with you to the problem and try to attack it. Now we're a team. I think it's important to acknowledge, you know, you and I have worked together over the years, actually, uh, yeah. when when I was a part of another organization, and <clears throat> when uh, those we've experienced those things, yeah. and I've seen you listen, and I've seen you not listen, and I would hope that I have, uh, I would hope that I have shared that in listening to you mm -hmm. at some points. Yeah. I know there have been times where I have not listened, but the other importance about that is we have worked very hard not to let either of the negatives when how about when we made mistakes we didn't let that be the end of the relationship we right. didn't fire the relationship right at that point we we yeah. maintained team yeah. to move forward for the common good the common goal that we had which was either to build a building or, or turn over a project or whatever it is right. I, I think that's yeah. important yeah yeah because you you all <clears throat> you have to finish a project this is going to sound really, really trite, but you have to finish the project to get through it. Okay, you know what it's like to get in a difficult project, right? And all you want to do is get done. Okay? Yeah. So how do you get to the end? Get done. Yeah. Okay. Do you get done by by getting into arguments and fighting and those <coughs> things will happen because we're humans. But but lift your head up periodically and say what matters most in this moment and how do we move forward? Well, I think that comes back to fear. I mean. Uh, you know, I, I almost went bankrupt once uh, in a business because I just had to get it done. I just had to get it done. I had to get it done. And then I wasn't, 
I wasn't looking at all the facts. I wasn't doing all the things. I wasn't having an honest conversation. And so then uh, I got it done, man. I got it done. But the cost was almost too great to bear. Yeah. Actually, I, I would say the cost was too great to bear. Um, I pushed through it and was blessed uh, to be able to, to come out on the other side, but uh, totally by grace that was undeserved by yeah. me, 100% by yeah. grace undeserved. Yeah, yeah. yeah. obviously there's, there's times when uh, the hard conversations have to be had before it's all over <clears throat> because yeah. there are disagreements that happen in projects and it's contract issues. There's all kinds of things that can go wrong and there has yeah. to be clarity through it all and through the hard times. Would you um, say the, the quicker that you can have the conversation, the sooner that you can have the conversation, the more money you save, the, the better the job goes, the better the team operates? It can. Okay. I mean, I think, I think, I mean, we, I can think of examples where it has. Um, I'm probably overlooking the examples of where it hasn't okay. <laughs> because uh, I tend to remember the good things um, and uh, others around me remind me of the bad things. So mm -hmm. there's probably others around me who would say, yeah, but John, you forget this time. Um, and that's true. Um, but of, it's, it's honoring to people, to contracts and relationships and customers to have the conversations early. Yeah. So if it benefits everyone, well, that's awesome. But it's just the right thing to do. Yeah. So it's yeah. a values proposition. I think as, a, as a, a specialty contractor, you know, if you're working with a general contractor, um, I, I think it's really important to uh, acknowledge the, the importance of having that conversation as soon as you have all the facts. Yes. Like, you know, don't, don't have the conversation if you don't have all the facts. But please, once, please don't. Yeah. Well, it's not good for you. No. It's not good for the, 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 you know, the specialty contractor that's on your team. Um, but the importance of get all the facts as quickly as you possibly can, because one thing that I think a lot of people, if you're not in construction, that you don't realize is, you know, a, a project when it starts, it's got to keep rolling until it's done and they never stop. Mm -mm. So you're literally making, you know, design decisions, decisions about the project, manpower, products, everything, you know, while the project is still yeah. moving. So yeah. there is a limited time window. Yeah. Where if you don't make this, it actually, it's a, what would we call it, a law of diminishing return. Right. Well, and that's the sense of urgency. Yeah. Because you have to stay on your feet. We are a fast-moving business. We are, we are manufacturing facilities that are remote every day. <laughs> yeah. And that so is we're, a good way to put we're, it. We're taking this process to all these different buildings, and we're trying to make it all run smooth, and that's hard to do. But you got to move, you got to move with urgency. Um, so if you're diligent about getting the facts, you can have a real conversation. If you don't, then it's emotional. Right. Then you're just driven to anger or, or just, you know, rash decisions and that sort of thing. Okay. Yeah. So the next part, I mean, you, you were talking through your different points of building a team. Yeah. So, so the, the fourth would be diligence. So the, the first was, um, yeah, let's go through all four just to refresh our memory. Humility, humility, um, humility, respect, respect, sense of urgency, sense of urgency and diligence. So sense of urgency is I am going to quickly respond because I, I have something that somebody needs. and I'm going to quickly get that to them so that they can keep going. You and I have talked about this, even with project managers. It's I, I would call it the race. Yes. Like th there is a race yeah. um, for us to communicate to you. If a question is asked or even if it's not and we can sense because, listen, the fact of the matter is you should be able to sense when it's coming. Yeah. <laughs> if we can sense that it's coming, right. the importance of winning the race of communication to communicate, whether you have the answer or not, 
me sending you an email saying, hey, I know that we see this problem. We talked about it in the project meeting. I'm working on it to get you a solution. Right. That just like, I feel like <clears throat> one of the things that that does when you're, when you're doing a project is it lets you know that I was listening, it lets you know that I care, mm -hmm. and that I'm working on it. Yeah. That's that sense of urgency. It's not having the answer. Yeah. You might have the answer, but you might not. Yeah. But you're you're aggressively pursuing the end goal. Yeah. And that's picking up the phone. That's doing the email. That's doing all the hard, you know, those those things that you just want to sit back and you want to get some other things done and you've got to address something that's very important. That's that's critical, I think, anywhere, but it's especially critical in our business of trying to put these manufacturing facilities in all these different places around the county. Right. Around the states. Um, and so, so that's moving with urgency and quickness. Diligence. That's your fourth one. That's the fourth one. And okay. that's, that's the, um, you know, the habits, the systems, the processes that you put in place in your company that help you to work more efficiently. It's not flashy. Hmm. You're not a hero coming in with an answer. You're not saving the day. It is just, it's a bit of a grind. So you have a way that you process your change orders. You have a way that you process your accounting processes. All, all the project management systems, your daily reports, your pictures, you know, just as you go through all the things that we do in our business, it, it takes diligence. You got to do these tasks. These are part of what we do. These are the tasks that demonstrate diligence to our customer. They keep our customer informed. It's every day. Those, those 15 pictures that you take for the customer are are not anything flashy, but it's every day over 365 days demonstrates that you're caring about the progress of the project and communicating. Mm. So, Caring and communicating through diligence. Yeah. Or the grind, as you called it. Yeah. Sometimes it does, it does feel like a grind. I don't want to diminish uh, or, or play it down or, or make it negative, but yeah. it does feel sometimes like it's a grind. Yeah. Hang in there. Yeah. I think it's really important, you know, uh, to to acknowledge. I read a book, uh, and I can't remember the, the. I remember the title. It was it was called Grit, and this this lady had uh, she did a TED talk, and and then I read her book, and uh, the 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 book talked about the science behind that, and just the importance of grit, which which I would say, you know, grit is that thing that. It's like a courage to, to keep pressing on and pushing through, um, and and we need that, mm -hmm. you know. And I talk about this a lot in construction. It's like if, if you want a job in the trades, if you want to work in construction and you want to be successful, um, that hard work, you know, that grit is needed. This is not the job for you. I, I mean, if you don't have that, yeah. if you don't want that, mm -hmm. it doesn't mean that, you know, uh, it, it's just important to recognize, I mean, the, the other day, I, I saw guys, uh, some footages from guys, and they were working in the cold. There was no heat for them. You know, it was muddy. It was nasty. And it's like, you, you can't be like, well, let's wait to finish this work, you know, when the weather's nicer. That's not really a thing yeah. in our industry. Yeah. So I think it's really important um, just to, to acknowledge that's something to know with your eyes wide open coming yeah. into construction. Grid is a requirement whether you want it or not. It's going to be required. Yeah. And I think that many more young men and women have more grit than they give themselves credit for. I 100% agree. Just no one has shown them this is how you do it. 
Well, and don't you think it's also the importance of talking about it? Like, yeah. hey, this is really hard for me. This yeah. job is really hard. Why does it suck so much? Yeah. Why, you know, and, and having mentors, you know, um, I, I think it's really important, you know, for our teams in, in the industry to know that it's, it doesn't make someone bad that they share their struggle. Yes. Because right. that's actually how you, for me, when I think back, and I always am telling people, you know, I, I have like this don't quit mantra when I'm saying that, like the way that, that I did that was I shared my struggle with my mentors, mm -hmm. with the people who were in my life that I could trust to talk through that. And that, that built relationships, which th this all comes together with what we're talking about with team, because we can't build buildings without the teams. Yeah. You know, you, you, Speedwell can't build a building without, you know, uh, the electrician, the plumber, the you know uh, fabricator the well, framer. Well, we could we could put the whole thing together without any of the plumbing piping, and then we could come back in and do it later. But exactly. Just saying, yeah. that, well, that's my point. I know. You know, and and the the importance of team mm -hmm. in what we're doing, and and these fundamentals that you're talking about, these basics, um, and they they are simple, but the deal is because they're simple, sometimes we don't give them the value that they require, which means then we don't we don't give them that level of importance. To, no, this is how we do this. Are we doing this? Are we doing this? Are we doing that? Uh, there's a book by Patrick Lencioni called The Ideal Team Player. Mm -hmm. And in the book, I really liked it because it was all about, uh, he, he tells these like fables. Mm -hmm. And in the book, it was all about construction. Right. It's a great book. It is a great book. And I, I just loved how he talked about, you know, you got to be hungry, humble, and smart. And, and your your uh, values that you're talking yeah. about, those are things that, like, we, we can't not have those things yeah. or we won't be successful. I think one thing I remember hearing from, from the company you worked with before, the electrical contractor, you guys had a great way of describing the around here statements. So around here, yeah. we do this. Around here, this is how we act in this situation around here. And you identified them. You wrote them on booklets. You, you, you guys. So we have those here at Blackline too. Yeah. In, in our little, what Perfect. we call our tradecraft book. Yeah. Um, and because around here statements, the, those are the handles that we yes. put on it to give the team yes. to be exactly. able to operate. Those things help define the behaviors you're looking for. But it's, it's a value statement. Whoa. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's good. 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 So. Um, you think team is pretty important to the success of an organization or a project? Yeah. Well, I mean, it's everything. If we have, uh, we've all experienced a lot of different places to work. And uh, when we stay focused on those values, we, we win. So what happens to an organization as they begin to shift their focus from those values? Because I can think of some right off the top of my head that have. And I think that's important to talk about because... Um, we should know the consequences of ignoring some of these these basics that you speak of. Yeah. Yeah. The so what are the consequences? Is that the question? That that is the question. I'm yeah. sorry. Was it was it too simple? No, it's uh it's painful to watch. So I it's, guess what it, happens to the company? Yeah. What happens to the organization? No, I, I, yeah, I know. I was getting to that. Oh, but I you, apologize. You weren't you weren't listening to understand me. <sighs> Just kidding. It's probably because I don't respect you. Yeah, probably. And you're not humble. Um, yeah. Okay, so in all seriousness, you, you, the pain comes from discarding the value of people. All those, all those values are centered mm -hmm. around how do we treat people and, and what do we see them as. 
are they an individual created by God for a purpose, or are they just a tool? So if I don't believe in God, what do I call that? Um, you call that, uh, you know, I don't know what you call that, honestly. I'm not sure. Okay. What, what would you call that? Well, I, I mean, I just think that whether you believe in God or not, if you don't value people, then you're an idiot. Yeah, I'm not, I don't know how you value people without, um, even if you say you don't believe in God, I think you still are believing in God because you're believing in what he's created mm-hmm. and you see the value in it. So it's, it's, it's evident to you that, okay. that humans have value. You, you yeah. know that intrinsically. Yeah. Um, and so don't view them as a tool. They have intrinsic value. And so, so does it always go right? No, of course not. Are there times where it's not a fit? Of course. Those things happen. We, we live in a fallen world that's broken. Um, but when we honor those people around us by having those values, um, but, but if you, it, back to the question, if we don't do that, we, we blame people, we blame things, and we divide. Yeah. We break down, we start to crumble, and, uh, and, and then we get angry. Mm. That's not a fun place to be. No, not at all. Yeah. So as we're coming to a close here and, and we're ending, I mean, and this is funny, I, I usually like to end with this uh, question slash statement and I'll, I'll lead into it with, you know, one, one of the reasons at Blackline, our vision is to lift the view of the skilled trades, um, to, to show people that these jobs matter, you know, uh, we're, they're, they're important, the people that do them are important. And I think, honestly, more important than our current culture gives them credit for. Yeah. I mean, we're, we're literally sitting in this building, and as I look up, yeah. it is, there's, there's lights on, you know, uh, earlier we could hear the HVAC system. And, and quite frankly, it's cold outside, and, and we're rather comfortable right here. Yeah. And, and there's not whiskey in these cups. I mean. But there's fresh water. It's clean. It should be whiskey, well, but whatever. Uh, I think it was bottled water. I assume that you yeah. didn't just give me crappy water, but you might have. It's good for life to have a mystery. Okay. Yeah. Um, so I would just, my reason for me doing this, it's about faith and future. Mm-hmm. Like my, my faith drives me to be investing in uh, what, what it is to lift the view of the skilled trades, to invest in people. Um, and then selfishly, it's also about the future. Because the fact of the matter is I, I think that there is a problem when... The, the statistics say that for every five uh, men and women that, that leave the, the industry of construction, the trades, one is entering. That is not sustainable. Right. You don't even have to be good at math to know that that doesn't work. Yeah. And that's actually, you know, I, I can remember being younger, and, you know, you think of apocalyptic movies, you know, like Terminator or... You know the uh, I forget some of the other uh, other movies, but my point being, you know, you look at people living in those apocalyptic times, and it's like it doesn't take a robot machine to steal the the lives that we have today. It doesn't take that for the zombie apocalypse to happen. Listen, you start to lose some of the basic tenets of of how we live our lives and what we do, and people will become like zombies. They don't need to have a virus. Yeah. And it's really important. And so selfishly, it's like my faith plays a part in this. And then the future, I have children and the importance of there being something for them yeah. and that they don't have to start over. Like yeah. the fact of the matter is knowledge is leaving the industry and we have to change that. Yeah. Not only is knowledge leaving the industry, but people are leaving the industry because we believe 
we believe what we do shows that we are valuing these things more. Mm -hmm. And so we need to change and lift that view. And so that that's why we're doing it. So for, for you, yeah. you've already answered some of this, but yeah. reiterate it. Yeah. Uh, this is the faith and future piece. Mm -hmm. What is your faith yeah. and future piece? Well, it's fundamental because our faith drives where we believe things have come from. Mm. And, and I believe that every individual was created by God for a purpose. Mm. And um, yes, we were created to worship him, but he has given us work to do. Yeah. And we are to do it as excellent as we can and to honor the people around that he has created also. You know, we didn't, we didn't make these resources that build buildings. God did. And so that informs how I go about and how I look at the future. So just before you continue yep. with your sermon here that you have, you know, um, I, I want to I wanna just ask this, because I think this is important to recognize, because I don't know that everybody that listens to this believes what you believe. Sure. Um, that applies whether they believe what you believe or not. Right. Well, if you can, exp well, no, we don't, do we have another four hours? Or no. Okay. no. We have to understand that we come from somewhere. So where do we come from? I, I guess and what I'm asking you is, do you apply that same level of value to someone who doesn't believe what you course, believe? Of course, because who, who are they created by? They so, are all created by a creator God who loves them and has a purpose for them. So if you were created by God for a purpose, then there's a purpose for you in everything we're doing together. So let's just, in, in, in devil's yeah. advocate world, um, you know, uh, I don't, I don't believe that. And matter sure. of fact, I, I find your God stuff to really rub me the wrong way yeah. and, and, and turn me off. But you're stating to me, like, so whether, whether I believe what you believe or not, that value as a person is still there. Yeah. And that's important to you. Correct. Because of what you believe. Correct. And it is not contingent on me to believe what you believe for you to share that value of who I am. Correct. Okay. It's, it's not about how you're acting or what you're doing. It is how I am viewing what I am supposed to do. And uh, if I don't do that, when I, when I break that, yeah. I mistreat people. And I don't, I don't think that, I don't think anybody enjoys that um, because we see a, a fallenness and brokenness in our world. So I don't want to piss you off, but yeah. I'm going to ask you a question yeah, that might do. make you uncomfortable. Um, so... And then the question just left my mind like that. That was really cool. But, but I mean, what, what were you? Go go back a yeah. little bit for me and start yeah. over again because yeah. it'll come back to yeah. me. Yeah, good, good. It was a really good question. Yeah, yeah, it was yeah. awesome. I can't wait. Yeah. Um, can we sit in silence and wait for it to come or no? I'm really trying not to use choice language okay. right now. All right. So, yeah. um, but but if if um, because we all have uh, a belief somewhere mm -hmm. of of why we exist. Yeah. We all believe we exist here for a purpose. Um, if we are uh, jaded. Oh, if we're checking if I was here. If we are jaded, broken, mm. and uh, not sure what our purpose is, well, what a better way to engage in that conversation when we're doing the work together yeah. and have those conversations. So when you're, if you don't know what you want to do with your career, you, you get into construction because there's so many things to learn that are relevant for so many other 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 jobs. Maybe you want to do something else, but you don't know. I mean, essentially, that's kind of how I ended up in construction. I did not have a plan. 
But the, yeah. the, the, the I took, you know, um, principled steps, do this, follow this, and, and, and go through this process. Yeah. Ask these questions. Talk to these people. The things <laughs> unfold for themselves. Yeah. It reminds me of a, 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 just a little story. When I was a young man, uh, I went hunting with my dad for the first time. I think I was about 12 years old. And uh, we went out into the woods, and it was vast um, here in, in Pennsylvania. And uh, when you talk about those steps, it reminds me of what he said. He said, so if we get separated, and little did I know we were about to get separated because he was going to sit me down in the woods and be like, you sit here, and I'm going to walk a mile down the road, and, you know, I'll be back. Um, but he said, if we get separated for some reason and you're out in the woods, he said, I, I want you to pick three trees. And you walk to the first one. And then you walk to the second one, and then you walk to the third one, then I want you to pick three more. And he goes, eventually, you'll get out of the woods. Because we have a tendency to actually walk in circles yeah. if we don't um, set up goals, if we don't set up right. things to go after. And I remember that he said that to me, and, and I've applied that to my life in the way that you're talking about, is you need to have these steps and you need to do them. So if you're a young person or yeah. an old person that wants to start a career over, yeah. Um, the importance of picking your next three steps. You go to the first goal, you hit that goal, you move to the next goal, and then you go to the third goal. That will keep you going in a direction and you'll eventually come to, as my dad would say, a road or a river or something that then will lead you to civilization or, right. or wherever you need right. to go. It'll get you out of being lost. And so I, I think that's pretty important in what it you're is. saying. It is, and if you don't have the strength <clears throat> to have three steps ahead of you, do the next right thing. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. So that's your faith, and you've covered yeah. that pretty yeah. well, uh, which I, I'm blessed, and, 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 I, and I, I share that. So you don't hate me? I, no. Oh, well, okay. yeah, no. For other reasons. Yeah. Okay. Um, what's your future? Hmm. What do you see? Wow. Um, so I can't help but to talk about my family when I think of that, because I think of my children who are 18 and 14. What are they walking into and what opportunities are there for them? And so, um, yes, my faith is tied to that very much so. Um, but I'm, I, when, when you gave that statistic earlier, yeah, four guy, five guys leaving in the trades, one guy to replace them, uh, that means there's, our production level is waning. Yeah. As we go on, that, that's a fact. I, I could give you the website later, but there is a fact of how they evaluate construction production, and it's not getting better, it's getting worse. We're doing. In all seriousness, do you I'm, have that I'm website serious, that I we do. can post in the. Yes, uh, I'll okay. you can put in the comments. It, awesome. In, in the last year, we've, we've gone down 5% in production. It's taken more people to do the same amount of work that we did the year before. <laughs> when you that account, makes sense. When you account for inflation and all that stuff. So that's not a good direction that's no. that's not that to me is a really really um yeah that's 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 troublesome so i want my children to be to have opportunity um and if it's in construction great if it's not that's fine um but i want to i want to provide opportunity for people our, our projects provide opportunity our customers provide opportunity for for people to get into this trade, it's not going to stop. It's not slowing down. It's going to be hard, but it's not slowing down. There's still a ton of work that needs to be put in place just to catch up with demand that hadn't been done in years past um, because of all that we've been through. So I, I, I'm encouraged by the fact that there's lots of opportunity. 
it's hard because it's going to be very, very challenging because you're going to have to execute work with fewer people, less skilled, less experienced, and you still have the same requirements. How do you do that unless you bring more people into the trades? Well, it's not the, sustainable. It's Point not, blank, it's not sustainable. Yeah. I mean, so, eventually you'll have people falling over. Right. <clears throat> yeah. 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 Okay. Well, John, as we uh, close here, I guess I would just ask you, you know, do you have any um, closing points that you would like to share with anyone, those that are listening? Uh, hopefully, hopefully someone is listening. Yeah. So for the one person <laughs> <Yeah>. that's listening, <laughs> fix one thing. Don't fix everything. Hmm. Just pick a challenge and go after it. Figure it out move on to the next thing. I think so many times in my experience, I've tried to do too many things. And yeah. um, that's, not, that's not effective. And it's not helpful to others around you because you end up stirring up a lot of things. Uh, but just, just stay patient. Um, the people that I work with, I'm so thankful for all of them because they all help to, we all help to support each other's weaknesses and, and, and complement each other's strengths. And um, and so that's one thing I would really encourage. Such a simple thing, but don't get hung up on fixing everything. Fix one thing. Okay. Well, I just I want to reiterate, you know, John and I were talking about building teams and whatnot, and those fundamental basics, those are important things if you're a part of a team or moving into a team. And if I remember correctly, um, what was the first one? So it was humility. And, and they're right there. Humility. And the microphone's in front of you. Respect. <laughs> sense of urgency and diligence. There we go. So humility, respect, sense of urgency, and diligence. Yeah. And then you want to fix one thing. And so I think that's really important. You know, when you are getting up and you're having a case of the Mondays, remember those things. Remember that as you go to do your job. You know, if you're listening again to this podcast, it's called The Line. And it's called the line for a reason, because we want to challenge you to step up to the line with us. We are asking you, if you are in the industry, step up to the line. Do these things. Pick your one thing that you're going to do and go after it. Let us make a difference to lift the view of the skilled trades, to show that people have value, that they're important, that they matter. I challenge you, step up to the line with us. Come listen to the podcast, share it. And then continue to do the things that we're talking about here. Get out there in the workforce and exercise and always be pushing towards learning that next thing. You know, pick your three trees and, and go to the first one, go to the second one, go to the third one, and then start again. Keep moving forward. Don't quit. Have a great day.